Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And today um, we got a good friend of the show, someone who we follow along with. Uh, and I, I personally bounce a lot of questions off about shooting because, you know, everybody's got that person that they they go to to kind of look at stuff. And many people would think that that's John, but I think John's like my older brother, the guy that tells you this is what you need to be doing, this is what you need to be doing, and you hear it so much, <laughs> you're like – yeah, yeah, I'm going to try it my own way. So I kind of bounce things off of uh, our guest tonight, Greg Litzinger. And uh, and so I wanted to get him on here to talk a little bit about uh, some, some target archery, some shooting, and some form things. Um, so how are you doing tonight, Greg? I'm doing good. Um, just woke up from a nap for work, so I'm very fresh, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to switch gears here. From, you know, I think the last time we talked to you, we talked a little bit about your target archery, but um, more about hunting and scouting and, and things like that. And um, I, when we got back from the Total Archery Challenge in our last podcast, we talked about the struggles that I was having um, with target panic. And you had posted something that was, uh, you know, like it was like speaking to me where it's like, do you think target panic is real? Um, so I kind of wanted to talk to you, um, a little bit about that, but, um, but first maybe everybody doesn't know, you know, they, they, they may follow along with your, your hunting prowess, but, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you got into target archery and kind of how you go about that. Um, the, probably, I'd say almost 10 years ago, I would say, um, I started shooting 3D. Uh, pretty regularly, and I bought a faster bow, a new fancy index release, and 
it was a disaster. <laughs> uh, a speed bow, new fancy stuff. I just picked up a lot of bad habits, which transcended into deer hunting. Um, I lost three deer in a year. Uh, well, no, I lost shot three deer in a gut, found one, and lost two. Uh, all straight up gut shot. And it, it hurt. I mean, really, really bad. Cause I, you know, you talk to my friends, like, I never missed. I'd never, never lose a deer, like, very rarely. Um, but I had an old bow, old heavy trigger release, you know, nothing really fancy. Shot big heavy arrows. And then once I got, you know, with a quote, quote, modern time, uh, of the archery industry, my form, was exposed. All my flaws were exposed. And that pretty much made me a, a terrible shot. And um, I put a message on an archery talk looking for a coach. Um, and this uh, guy responded. And he, he was actually like, oh, you know, 30 minutes from me. And uh, this guy, Dave, uh, he's on Instagram, Bow Coach, I think 77 or something. I don't know. He's in 78, but. He's, um, he's not very active on Instagram, but he's there. But he, uh, him and I met up and it was like an instant connection. Like, I, I knew him for years, even though I didn't. Um, he understood what I was going through. He was a level four coach at the time. He was called coach, you know, collegiate athletes and he was a accomplished archer himself. And we pretty much started from scratch. He took my bow and started making adjustments on <laughs> And, like, it felt so awkward shooting. But he's like, we're starting from scratch, basically. And um, I just worked from there. You know, and like everybody, you try and self-coach. You know, it's like self-medicating. It is it's a, it's a long road when you go about that way, especially for me. Like, I have a very active brain. It doesn't shut off, so... I figure I can tweak, I can do whatever to get where I need to be. And sometimes you need to take a step back and almost do less. You know, find somebody that can, you know, teach you some things that you don't know and you have to listen. And listen, that was probably not one of my strong suits. <laughs> uh, telling somebody that, you know, having somebody tell me that I need to change things. It was, it was rough in the beginning, but... I seen, you know, uh, results almost immediately. And then, so did you just um, use that coaching um, and use uh, 3D or target archery just as a way to solidify that coaching through the summer, or how did you jump yeah. into that? Is uh, you know, cause I'm a, I, I'd meet up with him. We we punch paper. Like I can punch paper. It's not my strong suit. I get. Um, I'm a little better now at it, but I'd get very, I would get very bored of it. 20 yards, same thing over and over and over again. Like my brain's like, um, uh, this is, um, what's that over there? Ooh, look at this, you know? So I had a hard time focusing on paper. So they said, I, I prefer 3D and we would just work on paper. He would give me drills to do at home. And a lot of it was not necessarily my shooting technique, but how I thought like what I thought in my head. Um, when we worked on, you know, more of a, the mental side of archery, 
an actual physical because you have your base P form, but you know what? It's not needed to be a really good archer. To be a really good archer, you have to have a really good brain. You can have the worst form in the world, <laughs> but if you have the same shot process and mental thinking process on every shot, you'll be a great archer, welder, doctor, whatever it is that you might be. You know, archery literally is all mental. Um, it, it, 99.9% mental. But um, back to uh, uh, getting into 3D archery, I just was shooting a lot every Sunday. And my coach always asked me if I wanted to compete. I'm like, nah, I want to compete. I just want to be a better hunter. That was my whole goal. And my scores kept getting better and better. Go from shooting like 260s, 270s, 280s. And I'm shooting 280s on unknown course with a hunting bow. Skinny arrows, heavy, an unknown distance. With a bow shooting 260, 70 feet per second. Which isn't really fast for unknown distance. And I was shooting really, really well. And I think I shot 290 one day on a course. It was at Limerick Bowman. And uh, I think the highest score... That day they had like a little tournament like the week before, same course the day before or something. I scored like a 299 for my class. So I kind of looked at it I was like, I can do this. This is easy. And that was my first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was going to be easy. So I told my coach what I wanted to do, and we I went out and bought a specific bow just for 3D, uh, specific arrows, just so I'm not you know, get a little faster, get a little speed. And we worked on, like I said, my, my self-image, you know, the mental process, mental side of things more than anything. So my first tournament I ever entered, it was a disaster. I built up so much anxiety because in my backyard or shooting by myself, I was shooting high 290s, 300. As soon as I paid that $20 entry fee, it was like, it just hit the fan. Instant anxiety, tension. My hands were sweaty. Um, it was it was pretty cool, uh, but it doesn't translate to shooting very well. I ended up shooting like a 270 that day, and I was so angry for shooting a 270. It's like I literally started almost at you know back in the beginning again because. Uh, I guess old habits die hard. <laughs> but, uh, it's a funny story. So, Terrible, funny. So, have you ever shot in any leagues or anything like that? Um, I mean, I, the reason that I'm asking is, I can I'm sitting over here looking at John and through like the entire story, and as I'm staring at his Rolls Royce of target bows right here in front of me, you know, and he's yet to take that leap into into starting a you know into into shooting 3d outdoor like we've shot indoor and i can see i I watch him wax and wane like when he's shooting good or he pulls a shot but at least in that league where it's it's for nothing but you're still shooting against a bunch of other people and so there you get that little bit of of things watching so had you shot anything any leagues, any no. competitive? So that was the, your first time? Yeah, like 3D. I, I never, I mean, I've tried to sit them. I'd go to a, a place that have like an indoor five spot 
whatever, I'd shoot with people, but never on a regular basis. And um, it was never when I expected to win. Like, I I expect to do well in whatever I do. And with anything, that there comes a price with that because you can build anxiety in yourself because you expect a certain performance, a certain number, especially with archery. If you're going in to shoot, at least with me, if I'm going in to shoot a 300, if I tell myself I'm going to shoot a 300, I'll shoot like shit that day because I'm worrying about a certain score to process that I need to get that score. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap. We become very, you know, outcome-oriented. We're worrying about a certain score that we need to attain instead of actually working on the process to attain that score. Like, if you can take care of the you know, the six inches between your ear and the three-foot circle around you, you will do well. You start worrying about the target, the footing, the wind, the weather, the people next to you. You've already lost. You know, the, the, to be really competitive in, in you know, any sport or anything, like, you need to focus on you and what you need to do. If you shoot a five, it's done and gone. Look at what you need to change for the next target. You know, did you rush a shot? You know, and, and then you'll regroup and then you'll shoot again. Choose the next target. Yeah, I mean, like I'm dealing with that target panic. You know, I messaged back and forth with you and, uh, uh, on Instagram, you were kind of like asking me, like, how's my process? What's going on? And John always, well, again, like, so when I talk to John, everything goes back to the back tension release. And so it's like, I just bought a new release. And so to go to a back tension, you know, and I'll shell out another couple hundred bucks for another release to fix what's between my ears. So it's like, I, yep. part of me says, I, and like I said, as, as we, um, it, you know, talk on this podcast a lot of it is you know towards the guys that where their bow was a tool i mean I, t I just talked to a guy this past weekend who said you know i haven't shot that many deer with my bow i haven't missed any deer they've always gone you know within they've always fell within sight and i shoot my deer five you know i shoot my bow you know five days before the season yep it's hitting where i'm aiming and, and that's it and the guys look at us that shoot all year round and it's like well, you know what are you doing and you spend two hundred dollars on a release well i don't have two hundred dollars into my all my arrows in my release and all my camo and all my everything and yeah. so a lot of it is where i try to focus on me and that's kind of where i like i john is the equipment yeah. guy so i kind of drown him out but so doing the yeah. blind bailing and 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 things like that um and so that's i mean i shot a ton of arrows yesterday and i'd shoot from nine steps and just focus on my process and then back up. And then it's amazing how I can tell when it goes the way that it's supposed to or where I punch mm -hmm. the trigger and I messed it up. And at least now yeah. I'm able to, to realize that. So yeah, for, you know, my coach always had a, a saying, once you set my bow up and I'm a tinker, I, I think I came to him after the second or third meeting with something different on my bow. He was like, what is this? I was like, I wanted this. He goes, you're, you're not allowed to buy anything for your belt. He goes, I don't care what somebody on YouTube says, somebody on social media, the archer talk, whatever. If you come in here next time with something on your belt, we're done. We're basically done. We're done. And I'm like, 
But I, you, uh, you can't buy a piece of equipment that's going to make you a better archer. It doesn't exist. It's the biggest myth. It's the biggest lie ever told. It's a myth made up by a liar. This said release will make you a better shooter. No, it won't. This bow make you a better shooter. Nope. What's going to make you a better shooter? Your brain. You can't buy a new brain. You can't buy anything for your brain. So you just have to work on becoming better. Um, and I took that into account. You know, he would always say, better archery for aggressive spending. And he was so true. He told me that I just take, like, look around at people I shoot with from time to time. They always had new gear, a new bow, a new sight, a new arrows, new knocks, new everything. And it's like, I competed with a hunting bow when I first started. You know, like, I learned how to use hunting bow, and that was my 3D bow. And I never really had a target bow until I was, you know, four years into shooting. I bought a target bow. <laughs> it was like, uh, I think a lot of people, they, they think something's going to make them better instead of actually looking at what's going to make them better. That person in the mirror. You know, and that's, that's a hard thing to, for a lot of people to get over. You know, because you have to admit your flaws, and that is a that's a tough thing for a lot of people to do. You know, you be honest with yourself, and that is like a whew, that's hard for a lot of people. <laughs> well, I think the point there is was just that the the back tension release allows you to kind of fast track your form, like that surprise shot. Well, that yeah. I mean, it eliminates the option of punching the trigger. So, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> You know, I I I went through that same process. I had I bought my thumb trigger release, and it was great at first. And the next thing you know, I was punching it, and then I couldn't hold on the target. And then I was like you're saying, I ended up basically screwing my own self up. You know, mind wise, I was thinking about all the wrong things. And so when I went to the back tension release, then it cleared me of all that. I wasn't thinking yeah. about that trigger. I was focusing on you know, my shot process. And it's, uh, like you said, the hinges, like I should have spiked the lease and, uh, cause I don't like any, I, I, I'm not a very big manipulator. And there's some guys that can, um, I've tried shooting with a clicker. Um, I'm good at home and I'm good probably 50% of the time on a range with a clicker because that clicker is like, Oh, and I can start almost timing the shot. Even, you know, 10 years into this, I, I don't like triggers. I don't like anything I know is coming. I just kind of let things unfold as they should. I just you know, keep aiming, and the shot kind of goes off. And usually it's a, a pretty good shot when I, I, I just let it happen. If I force it, it's like, well, it's the worst because I feel like shit afterwards. You know, even though the arrow might hit an X or I might get push out in the deer, I still feel like shit because I rushed the shot. It's, it's, it's weird. I, I still beat myself up. I shoot an X. I still critique myself. I'm like, oh, yeah. I high-five myself at the same time. I can't let that happen again. <laughs> so with that, like, how do you break down or what is your shot process? And, like, so what do you say to guys like, like me or a guy that had just picked up a new release because you know they read about it and it's the cool new thing or whatever and then they're you know putting them into the lights into their shed and you know 
I, I, these are all yeah. things that have happened to the guys in this garage, putting them into the drywall, putting them into the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm a big, big short range work, especially with a new release. Um, cause it takes, you know, oh, if you buy a new, a new release, you'll shoot it really well, even because it's new and exciting and you're not trying to make it happen. And then your old habits kick in. So if I, I recommend people that you go into a new release, just spend the, spend the week, two weeks, three weeks, if you got to shooting at a 20 yard target at three yards, just so you can get used to hitting that X. Your, your, your brain sees the arrow hit the X. Granted, big X, but you're building this, you know, muscle mind connection, mind muscle connection with your bow, this release and the X. You know, and you're seeing that you're like, you're, you're building your self image. You're working on your shot process, you know, and then take two steps back, three yards back and then shoot it again, you know, and you'll build that a nice strong base so you can, you know, archery is a lot about believing in yourself. You know, you can have an untuned bow and still shoot really well if you believe you can shoot really well. So I like short range work to build, you know, build yourself up, you know, and then slowly go back a little bit, you know, each week, two or three yards back and shoot, you know, even if you're, like, if I'm pretty lucky, I can shoot 10 yards in my house. Um, I mean, I'll shoot, I struggle and I'll, I'll shoot a 20 yard target that, at five yards sometimes. Just because I need that mental stimulation, like, yeah, I am good. You know, I, I, I can do this. So, and then a lot of blind bail work. Um, take uh, tape and cover my sight so I can't see the pins. And just shoot, working on one thing at a time. Release hand, release hand for a week. Same thing, just drilling it over and over and over. You know, and then work on your grip, whatever issues you want, you want to resolve. But it's very safe. A long process, um, especially if you have bad habits, um, like most people that have been shooting for 10, 15 years, they get into you know a newer, latest, and greatest technology. That could be a hard, a, uh, <laughs> a hard habit to break is to shoot better, because 20 years, you know, three months of work isn't going to erase 20 years of shooting like shit or shooting wrong mentally or physically, whatever. So you'll have, you're going to have your, your ups and downs. you got to accept that. There's going to be days you're going to be on, days you're going to be off. You're not going to be on every day. I don't care what social media says. I don't care <laughs> what anybody says. You know, you're going to have peaks and valleys. The pros have peaks and valleys, and that's what they do for a living, you know? So you can't beat yourself up on a rough day of shooting. Learn from it, okay? and you know, start again. Take a day off, and you'll... Start again. That's interesting to me. I mean, I, I when I shoot the, when I've been shooting the shorter distances, and that's exactly what it was. And it, but I, I, I almost look at it like as like uh, in the back of my head. I don't. It's not like I'm trying to psych myself out. It's like, God, anybody can hit it from this distance, you know. And I think like over the 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 last couple of years, what we've been doing is. You know, as we prepare for the total archery challenge and going out west and stuff like that, as we are stretching it out and shooting to a hundred, and it made that fifty-yard shot. You know, it built a lot more confidence going the yeah. other way. Um, so, like that, I think I still have that in my mind when I'm shooting from, you know, ten feet or you know whatever it is, and I'm thinking, yeah. 
yeah, of course you're going to hit it from here, you asshole. Like, move back. Yeah. <laughs> and then I move back, and then I'm like, God damn it, I'm falling back into the same same yeah. thing. So I, I, it doesn't it doesn't register that way. So Yeah, and that's uh, my coach, you know, he, he uses the, the term performance anxiety because you're shooting at 30 yards, and you're shooting, you know, this size group. This is a good group at 30 yards. Now, when you go back to 60 yards, you can't expect to shoot a fist-sized group. There again, I don't care what social media tells you. If somebody's telling you they're shooting fist-sized groups at 80, 90 yards on the reg, and they're not getting paid to shoot a bow, like Hoyt, Matthews, or somebody, <laughs> they're an idiot because the best archers in the world, you know, on their best day, you know, can do that pretty regularly. You know, you ever watch these, you know, guys that shoot known 80 yards? And they're shooting good groups, you know, three, four inch groups. Like that's professional level. Um, the average human, it's hard to repeat that cycle. You know, it's, it's hard to re- you might shoot that once, but don't expect that every time. You know, when you're doing a, uh, a study, you don't you take the low score off and the high score off. So your worst group, you take out equation. Your highest group, you take out equation. You got to find that middle ground. Like for me, I use a one inch roll. When I'm on, I can stack arrows at 80 yards. But that's not my everyday grouping. You know, at 80 yards, if I can get four hours in an eight in circle, I'm fucking happy. I'm like, I'm a bad man. <laughs> Some people would say that's not tight enough. Well, you know what? It's eight fucking yards. <laughs> that's fucking far. <laughs> and I just put, you know, a bunch of hours in a, you know, eight inch group, eight and eight inch nine inch group. I'm happy with that. Like I know my level where, where I am. So I, I usually don't beat myself up so bad. You know, shooting 100 yards, if I miss a target, oh well, 100 fucking yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what the bad part was at the Total Archery Challenge is the, 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 the local score. So, I don't know, 20 to 50 yards, 20 to 55 yep. yards. And I couldn't hit, I couldn't hit the mountain, let alone the yep. target. <laughs> And I couldn't yeah. find the target, you know. So, and, and you yeah. had said, you know, look at the target and focus on the target. And that's that's what I've been doing. And so back to that. So, like, what is your process? Like, how do you, when you go into your shot, like, because, like I said, John's like the big brother. And I feel like his big brother is John Dudley. So, he's like, this is what Dudley says. Yeah. This is what I do. And then he tells me, and I'm like, I can fucking watch Dudley do it too, and I can see you pop balloons at 100 yards every time, and it just makes me want to vomit. So I need mm-hmm. to figure out what my process is. And, and he... um, <laughs> everybody's process is different, um, and that's why, like I said, get back to like the self coaching thing. It's hard to self coach yourself to execute. You know, Tiger Woods has a coach. All elite people have coaches. So there comes a point in time where. Your self-coaching only gets you so far. Like you, sometimes you need a, a hands-on approach. Like for me, like my coach moved to Florida, so we do a lot of phone, you know, chit-chatting. And there's some times where I just wish I can go to his house and be like, dude, what am I doing? You know, he gives me stuff I got to work on, and it's hard for me to get back on track, but I eventually get there. But having someone actually physically move your elbow or, 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 or do something in person is, is invaluable. You know, um, 
even video, like now social media, you can, like I'll video myself shooting and send it to my coach. And he's like, oh, I'll try this. Oh, you're too long. Uh, your, your arm, you know? So, it, you know, technology it definitely helps me out. But, like, my process is it's more mental than anything. Like, I, I step up to a target. I visualize, you know, my arrow hitting the target. Like, I go through, like, the mental process, self-image, you know, the imagery. I'm like, all right, I know I can hit the target. I'm going to crush the target. And then I take my shot. I go through the process. Same process as before. This time I have to shoot an arrow. And then when I step off the stage, you know, and I pull my binoculars up to look at the arrow, I, I run through that shot again. So each time I'm shooting uh, a target, I'm pretty much shooting three arrows. And the one physical arrow, but mentally I'm shooting three. And the two mental arrows are pinwheel X's. And my shot, hopefully it's pinwheel X, but if it's not, I look at it, right, right, what did I do? Okay. And then, I, you know, I make adjustments for the, for the next target. So I'm building a nice bank of X's in my brain, like good shots, good, good. everything just feels good because you start building enough of those, you know, that mental imagery in the bank, in your brain, you know, the brain doesn't know if it actually happened or if you thought it happened after you get a couple thousand, you know, 20,000 shots in your brain, all your brain sees is X's. So, I'm like building my, you know, building my, myself up to X's, like, I'm building myself image to know X's are possible. So I get up to the line, like, I would say 60 to 70% of my shots, I don't really have much expectations because I know I'm going to make a good shot. The other, the other 30, you know, you know, my brain gets in the way and sometimes I got let down or sometimes I make a shot. I'm like, why did I just do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, regroup and go back to but what works. For me, the more things I try to make happen, I try to, if I try too hard, it's terrible. If I don't try enough, it's terrible. And there's that little, you know, that middle ground. Once you find that middle ground, it's like shooting an autopilot. You're not thinking, you're not forcing it. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. And I try and, like, build that up when I'm in my house, you know, shooting short range. Just getting that rhythm where you're shooting and you're feeling good, you know. You're not, all right, hand grip here, do this, stance here, do I just want to get in the rhythm of shooting, you know, shooting X's and shooting well and, Usually that translates well into the field most of the time. <laughs> and so when that doesn't translate well, how do you shake off that shot? I mean, you know, you see baseball players, they say, well, every pitch is, every at-bat is, you know, they have this, they have so many weird mannerisms. Or they're messing with their gloves and messing with their helmet. And, but, like, yeah. you know, if you listen to them talk, that's their way of resetting for each one. And then yeah. – Along with that, how does that transition to hunting? So, like, last year, you know, for example, I go out and have my first opportunity to kill a, a decent buck at our property in the UP, and I send one right over his back, give him a little bit of haircut, and it's like you only get so many opportunities, so many shots, so many, yeah. you know. So, how do you reset both in hunting and in target archery, and is there a correlation? Uh, there, there's some similarities, yes. Um, but with, like target archery, I have a a refocusing, you know, uh, technique 
I, you know, because I keep a long book and, and stuff that I'm working on at the time, and I always write my refocusing technique. And each year it changes. You know, like this year it was a, I went back to an old one for some reason, but it was a, a 42-yard ram, 10-wheeler ram with my hunting bow. This had to be when I first got into shooting. It was like one of them shots where you, I first kind of understood what was happening with the bow, and I wasn't forcing shots. I was just kind of letting them happen. And to this day, that might be one of the sweetest shots I'll probably ever shoot. You know, it's the old walk-off home run where you, <laughs> you shoot. Now, I shoot with a bunch of guys, and the guy's like, that's in the X. And I'm like, I know. And the guy's like, you don't have to be a dick about it. But I'm like, I'm not being a dick. Like, you think I'm here to shoot fucking eight? Like, come on. I'm not here to shoot X's. But it was like, it was one of them, like, cocky swagger moments where I was like, I know it's an X. Like, I, oh, I know. You don't need to tell me. I know. And that's my refocusing technique. If I'm having a, a rough couple of go-rounds, I try and work that into my, my shot process. And uh, take a deep breath and visualize that shot. So, I mean, I could still, I imagine the clothes, I still remember the clothes I was wearing that day. Like, I remember everything about it. So, I get for that shot in my head a bunch of times. Focus and relax. And when I'm getting really worked up, I have a tendency of not pulling through the shot like I can't pull. So, I'll, re- I'll focus on that shot. And then when I come to full draw, instead of saying aim, 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 I say, pulling to the X and it's my trigger to keep pulling and drive that arrow into the X because uh and that usually you know can you know plug plug the thinking ship for the for the day you know <laughs> um it it doesn't work all the time but it but it it, it it does work um I mean two weeks ago we shot in PA and it was I just had one of those days where I just I just didn't have it and it was a struggle. Like 30 targets was a struggle. I ran that shot in my process in my head probably a thousand times. It felt like, and even that was still, I just didn't have it that day. And I, mean, I shot a, a 281 on a known course. Like it was a, it was a rough day. Um, a good learning, you know, because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't throw my bow against a tree or walk off the course. <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean. If you have a rough day, sometimes there's nothing you can do to get out of it. You just got to try and, you know, stop bleeding for the time being, you know. And it's okay to have those days, you know. They're good learning days. You struggle like that, you need to, you know, I come home, made some adjustments mentally, you know, and I went back to some basics. And I, got, I feel a lot better now. And uh, same with hunting, you know, like you miss a deer, can't think about it. You know, don't think about that bad shot. Like bad shots gonna happen. You're gonna eat a moment. Stuff happens. It's okay. It, it, it happens to everybody. You know. <laughs> so look at it like, all right. Well, what did I learn from this moment? Not to rush your shot. Okay. And then use that, you know, as, as fuel for the next opportunity. You know, don't beat yourself up over it. Like, oh, I'm horrible. I shot over his back. My life is ruined. That's just misery and sorrow will drag you down faster than anything. <laughs> Especially shooting sports. Shooting sports loves misery. 
Yeah, being that it's so mental. Um, yeah, it's really it's really easy to fail before you even loose yeah. the arrow or take the shot. You know, um, I guess for someone maybe that needs some motivation like John or someone who's continue who's who's uh, considering starting their first tournament. Like, what advice would you have for somebody like going out there the first time? Um, Just do it. Well. It, don't overthink. Don't overthink it. Just do it because if you're waiting for the perfect moment or opportunity when you got the latest and greatest gear, or you're there's you're gonna be waiting a long time. There's only certain things you can learn about yourself you know, unless you know until you put yourself in the fire. If you're if you're waiting for I gotta shoot this type of score before I go into a tournament, well, I, I hate to tell you that's you're just giving yourself excuses. Like just do it, just go, just go into it and learn what you can. Um, and that's how you're going to grow as an archer. Like for me, going to my first tournament after shooting really well, working with my coach, working on the mental side of archery and getting my ass kicked and then have people talking shit about me because I, because people like to talk shit sometimes. I, I don't know, but the guy was like, man, you shot another five. And it's like, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. <laughs> Like, I don't even know you. Don't talk to me that way. Like, it made it, it made it so hard to finish out the day, but I, that was like a, a, a driving force for me. So it was like, never again. It's never going to happen again. Why did this happen? And, and go back to the root cause. I expected to shoot lights out my first tournament. The odds, statistically speaking, the odds of that happening aren't very high. Um, and if it does, Odds are you're going to fall. When you fall from grace, so to speak, it's going to be a long, hard fall. You probably won't recover. Um, cause you need those hiccups. Like you need that. That's how you build your foundation. All right. I, I'm not as good as I thought I was. How can I get better and, and go from there? But advice shooting the tournaments, indoor, whatever, just do it. You know, whatever bow you have. You got skinny arrows, go skinny arrows. You know, I shot. Three weeks ago, the guy shooting, um, like field arrows, like, you know, 90 meter type arrows. He was right there with me shooting the super skinny arrows. He was like, I feel like shooting my, just felt like shooting this bow. And he was just on that day. And I was like, dude, that's pretty fucking awesome. You know, cause he's shooting arrows that are, you know, the size of a small arrow wrench. And I'm shooting these giant cannons. And I'm like, wow, oh, he's like really neck and neck with me. But, he just had the juice that day, you know? So I was like, oh, all right. And it was kind of good for me because it made me shoot better because I didn't want to get beat with a guy shooting me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, you know, before we started here. Um, but with you being such a, you said yourself that you're very competitive. And starting that first tournament um, for for other people, like no matter how you shoot or how you prepare or whatever, um, you know, like my buddy Kyle did train to hunt last year and went in from the first day that he started training for us that he was going to win it. And he ended up taking second or third. And then this year he won it, uh, the, the event that he did down in Texas and he, he went in with that mentality. And so we, we talked about, you know, guys like you, um, who every time they step in the woods expect to kill a big deer because they put yeah. the, you know, you don't go out there just to waste time. And yeah. so 
how does that play into entering a tournament? You know, so, so for someone who shoots, you know, really, really well, should you go in and say, well, I'm just going to get a tournament under my belt or you go in and say, I can win this fucking thing if I shoot the way that I'm supposed to shoot, you know, it's, um, that's, that's a slippery, uh, slope and each, each, everybody's different. Um, for me, if I tell myself I'm going to win, I'll build up anxiety in myself and I almost like self-sabotage because I'm not, I'm not that way. I'm not wired that way. Like if I go in and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do well. Yeah. I'm going to shoot well, shoot my shot. Then, then I, I do well. If I go in there, I'm like, I'm going to crush everybody. I don't really usually do that well because I'm, I'm not wired that way. Um, I love competitions. Like I'll rise to the competition. If I'm shooting with a guy that's really good, like, it elevates me to shoot good. But for me personally, when it comes to competing, I find best for me is to focus on my shot and I shoot well. Because I can't, you know, um, train the hunt is a little bit different because there's a physical aspect of it, you know. Um, and that plays well in some people's, um, you know, gifts, I guess, the talent. Um, but when you shoot like, you know, like, like a Vegas round or, or like a 3D round where it's, it's almost the exact opposite because you're, you're, you're just standing there shooting. Um, so it, it can be, you know, different for each person, but some guys do well with wanting to be number one. Um, and that, that works for them. I'm, I said, I'm, I'm not wired that way. So I work, I worry about what I need to do. And usually that, that pays off. And I do like to win. And sometimes, you know, I, I get a little swagger, a little, little arrogance, last cockiness, whatever you want to call it. And I, like I'll shoot one in a tournament, but usually it, it's short lived because the next one I enter, I shoot like crap because, you know, that's just not how I go about things. <laughs> like I'm like the, the silent winner. Like I win. It's because I, I work to win, you know, and I believe I can shoot well, but I don't necessarily believe I can win because if I you know, Delaware State this year, I shot really well and the guy that won first place shot like a 318 or, or 320 out of 330. Well, if I were expected to go in there shooting first place, you know, and I'm going to win and this guy shoots a score like that, like, I've never shot that high. That could mess up your psyche a little bit because it, it's hard to compete against the guy who's on that day. You know? Um, so you have to find out like what method works best for you. Um, if you're a guy that can take that, you know, at performance and that anxiety and, and use it for fuel, then yeah, go with it, you know, because if, if that's how you can, can win, then by all means do it. But if you're a little more reserved, you know, you might want to focus on what you can control versus what like the outside, you know, sources or stimulation or whatever. It's a case-by-case base that comes with, you know, entering tournaments. Um, same with hunting. Like, if I see a deer and if I pick up my bow, it's automatic kill mode. I don't think about what I need to do. I just do it. Um, and I think that's why I shoot well on deer. I don't say, all right, I got to put my grip here, hand here, stand here, do this. I let all summer long years of practice 
I'm gonna come in the fold and I trust myself. I'm gonna make a good shot. And ninety nine percent of the time it's it's good, you know. Well and and that's one of the things that you know, I sent you over some things that I kinda wanted to talk about. Um you know, I I hear it so much, I think, from Frank and uh, you know myself. I've maybe adopted it a little bit, and you know, I don't. I don't have that competitive like edge, but uh, there's a lot of times where you'll hear guys say, "Well, that's just shooting paper. I don't. I can't shoot paper. I can. I can kill animals." You know. And I think like kind of what you said there was you, you say, I've done this a whole bunch of times. I know that I can do it and I'm going to, I'm going to do that. You know, that, that's one thing that I struggle with, with shooting, not shooting for X's or shooting for 12 rings or, you know, just shooting the, a McKenzie target in your, in your backyard, you know, a deer target, you know, and they say, pick a spot. And it's like, well, if I'm shooting deer, like I've always just, you know, went about halfway back, you know, you know, a little bit back from the front shoulder and halfway up and down and, you know, middle of the lung somewhere. Well, that's not where the 12 ring is. And that's not where I can't pick, you know, they say pick a spot, you know, aim small, miss small. And it's like, I just picked that general vicinity and, (laughs) and, you know, and so people say, you know, I kill animals. I don't. I don't have a problem doing this. And like, I grew up pie plate accuracy, not shooting. I think part of that was, I mean, what what he was saying, or correct me if I'm wrong, is that he's letting his shot process all that stuff just subconsciously react. He knows he's going to kill a deer, and all that shooting throughout the summer, and you know, and the three Ds and all that. You've already worked on all that, so it's just. It's second nature at that point. Am I yeah. right? Yeah, it's like, um, you know, and half time, like when I compete, I couldn't tell you where the X is. I just shot enough 3D. Mentally, I know where that X is, and my brain puts the pin where it needs to go. Like, there's some, type, there's some days, like, when I'm on, I couldn't tell you what pin I use. My brain goes, I'm like, oh, I'm shooting that for 34 yards. And it's just autopilot. Same with hunting. Like, I get in that autopilot mode where I'm just seeing, like, all right, that's here, 27. I'm going to shoot 27. And the pin's kind of learning nothingness because I'm so focused where the arrow needs to go. And that's all I'm worried about. And it's like, and the shot breaks, and it's like, oh, oh. And if you, you watch the deer pull, you know, pull up 50 yards away, and you're like, wow, that was pretty sweet, <laughs> you know. And uh, it doesn't always happen that way, you know. Like the deer I shot this year, how I was twisted like across my body, like I had to manipulate the release. So I'm like, and this thing's not going off, and I'm like, squeeze and relax. I kind of squeeze my hand a little bit, and the, and the shot went off. But my shot was set up in a way that I can slow squeeze the trigger in, in a case of emergency. It still makes a kill shot. Be it a, a point shot, maybe not, but a kill shot, yes. You know, and it's such a rare that I do do that, but when I do usually, you know, activate the trigger constantly, I make a good shot because, like I said, I've done it a thousand times. So manipulating the shot once isn't really going to affect my shot process or like you or anything. 
Well, it, but they. Oh, sorry. I just fell. Well, my stool just broke. So <laughs> <laughs> just getting it fell to the ground. Oh, Jesus. Safety strap. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, it's scary. Yeah, but I mean, that makes that. makes sense, and especially for, for hunting, you know, like, I was, the advice that you had given me was pick, pick out the target, draw your bow, and don't let your eyes leave the spot that you want to shoot, yeah. and yeah, exactly. your pin will go there, and yeah. John had said that in not so many words, because he left out the part about find the target first, I mean... Yeah. He says, bring your bow up to the target and draw, which I did, but I wasn't focused on that. And then, like I said, I checked every other apparatus on my bow to make sure all of that was correct. And then I was in yeah. the next county. Yeah. And then I had yeah. to f- couldn't physically get my muscles to bring the, the bow on target. But for hunting, that's why, you know, at times it seems just so instinctual because you're just, all you're doing is looking at that deer through, through your gear and, or turkey. Well, <laughs> Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. The turkey. Turkeys. I, I can't ever live that down. That's, nope. <laughs> not five yards. Oh. That was like a blank bail, man. I, it was. I was going through the process. I'm just looking at the wrong spot. The accelerated process. <laughs> Well, I think I call it the Forest Goat. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, it's um, that like I I tell people, we shot a couple weeks ago. Me and my buddy, a, a, like a virgin place, we never shot, and we go up to the first target. And it's like, oh, like a a lot of traditional shooter shooters obviously shot there, so a lot of the targets were close. And my buddy's like, oh man, I'm like, there's no such thing as an easy shot. But look, it's only 15 yards. I'm like, then we should X every target. Of course we didn't because there's no such thing as an easy shot. So it was a very, I mean, we both shot well. You know, both of us shot over 300. Um, but I didn't clean the course. Like, I didn't shoot perfect. I mean, clearly I'm shooting unknown. So there, there's, a, you know, that aspect of it. But every shot, you know, the, 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 the 15-yard target, I struggle with them the most. Because it's like, ah, it's a chip shot, but you're shooting for points. There is no chip shot. They're all kills. Don't get me wrong on the animal. They all have died, but you're trying to shoot this turkey, you know, a small tent, you know, an X is on a turkey at 15, 17 yards. It can be difficult sometimes. And then you're like, I can't believe I just had a name on that target. Oh, you know? So, there's no easy shot. <laughs> Hunting or, or, or target-wise. So, don't ever, uh, fall into that trap of, that's a chip shot. Ah, it's only 10 yards. No, 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 no. The process stays the same, whether that animal or target is 10 yards or 100 yards. It's the same thing. Um, and that's uh, uh, a good mindset you need to have. Because you know, one, one or two bad shots can, well, you know, it's hard shots. One or two bad shots can put you in a tailspin that it's hard to get out of. It could be months to, you know, Get that damage out of your system. So, having the right mindset on, on every arrow, every target is 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 viable uh, to pretty much almost anybody. 
I feel like we should have done this podcast before um, turkey season. I'm, now I'm going to have to rename that video. There's no easy shots. Um, <laughs> just, but when you're talking about, um, you know, when you were shooting unknown versus known, for people that don't shoot target archery or they're not familiar, uh, and I'm, I mean, I, it seems, you know, kind of self-explanatory, but how does the unknown tournament work versus a known distance? Like, are you... Yeah, un- unknown will be, you know, whatever class you're in. Like, I shoot hunter or advanced hunter, 35 or 40. And unknown is no rangefinders. You have to guesstimate the, the, the distance. You know, um, when I started shooting, you know, 10 years ago, rangefinders were, weren't very common. And a lot of the part, you know, 3D around here was unknown. And so you had to get good or it would get expensive. Because, you know, you go up to a, especially if you're shooting like, like, not shooting very fast though, if you're off by like four yards, that hour is gone, you know, or you might get lucky and find it. <laughs> so, it was a, uh, so for me, I, I like the unknown. I like the challenge of it. Um, known would be, you're allowed to use your range finder, which seems to be how a lot of 3D is going. Um, I don't necessarily think unknown will die out, but I think in a few years unknown will be have less people in it than known because people want to hit the target. Some people like if you unknown, you have to practice. Like I practice during the week in my yard, walk up the street with my rangefinder, and I range trees. You know, and now I got kids, I, I range my kids, <laughs> uh, my dogs, and stuff like that. You know, now. Our rangefinder is pretty much on me all the time, and it requires a lot of work to be a successful unknown yardage guy. And, you know, you look at the pros that are shooting 50 yards, they're guessing that down to the yard. Those pros are good, man. Uh, uh, known, you pull out a rangefinder, click it, you know, and then adjust your sight or get the right pinning and have at it. But for me, Known is a, I struggle with known from time to time. Um, because, like I was saying earlier, I don't know what pin I use sometimes. I look at that, I'm like, I'm sure for 34. Whether I use my 34 yard pin or not, I couldn't tell you. I got an X, so I'm like, it's good, it's working for me. I'll go to a known course, maybe I got 34, and my brain's like, that's not 34. We're shooting that for like 20, you know, 8. And it's like, I fight myself sometimes. And I'll shoot high or low a lot of times. And it's like, how do you shoot high or low? You know the yardage. Just put the pin you need there. But my brain's like, no, 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 no. I got this. And I, uh, I said it's like a constant struggle. These last, you know, last year was my first, I played start in a known tournament and I worked for that third place. It was like work, a job. I probably let my bow down probably 20 times that day to tell myself 35 to shoot for 35. Yeah, go with 31. No, it's 35. Just shoot it for 35. And my brain's like, you know, nope, 31 all day. Uh, and I mean, this year is the same thing. It, it, it's, uh, it's a different part of shooting that I kind of enjoy, but at the same time, I don't. Because I don't shoot as well shooting known. Yeah, you know, I shoot well, but 
I shoot, you know, a lot better unknown for some reason. You know, I feel better and my scores reflect unknown versus known. And that's probably the opposite for a lot of people. But I'm a little, I don't know, slow, I guess, or something. I don't know. And so, John, the tournaments that you're looking at, the ones that you're we're saying either next year you want to shoot with the the group. Is that known or unknown? I think they were known. I think they. What are you doing? The, the what? What? Uh, the IAA is big in Michigan, right? Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, cool. I I shot one of them a couple of weeks ago. One they had in PA. It was nice. Um, I'm not sure about like the target, like the uh, the scoring rings and stuff. Because matter of fact, well, like they do have. It's called the West Michigan 3D League, and it's, there's like five different local ranges that they kind of go through. And mm-hmm. they had it set up at our park club, and so Adam and I and Frank went and shot it uh, two weekends ago before before they tore it down. And, you know, there was a couple shots where I'm like, man, there were 12 rings, but then the, the there was no 12 ring there. It was like a different mm-hmm. uh, scoring inserts where the 12 ring was or, or 11 or whatever you want to call it the x was like yeah. low in the inside the 10 or, or whatever it is it was like yeah they're, uh, yeah like asa is a little different than ibo scoring wise and because asa you got your 10 and then you got your 12 in there as well like, uh, around here where i'm from there's, there's more ibo shoots than asa I shot one ASA course, and I shot well, but center punching an ASA target is only worth 10 versus, you know, the IBO's X. So, like, I was happy with my shooting, but I can't see what I'm shooting at half time. Like, oh, the lower 12, upper 12, I can barely see the target half time. I'm like, all right, center man's back of the leg. I'm going to shoot it, grip and rip it. But I gotta aim for like the lower twelve. I can't see that shit, man. <laughs> right. Like, so that's what. And that's... Like, I got. I'm calling the fourteen. I'm like, fourteen. <laughs> I can't see that either. You know. So guys, whoop my ass like score wise. But I'm like, I don't shoot that format, and it, I can't see what I'm shooting at with ten. The scope be a different story, you know. But I'm not getting in that world. You know, I got enough money wrapped up in my bows now. Yeah, for sure. But that's that was one of the things that, I, you know, I'm like, so what is the format? Because they had, you know, our, our range has a mix of them. They're like, one, next one you go to, oh, it's the, that's got a low 12 ring or something. Then the other one's the center. I'm like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's a different it's, format. You know, up, up by you, there's a couple in Michigan. So, oh, up in the whole Wisconsin, Michigan, there's, a lot of different formats mixed in the, in the mix. Um, so Ohio's has got a mix. Like here in Jersey, PA, it's straight IBO. You know, very rarely you get an ASA. New York, you get a little bit of both. Uh, down south, you get more ASA. I guess your region is what um, preference, I guess, or whatever method, tournament sanctioned bodies that you get to shoot with, you got to contend with. Right. But I'm glad I'm in IBO country. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and that was simpler. That was the thing. I mean, you know, John, you know, he's usually a high shooter and we shoot at his arrows and then it's like we make a great shot, like, oh hit John's arrow and then he's off and say, like, Well, come on, yeah. come on. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> As uh sometimes if I know I got some good shooters and if I can pull people's arrows, like I I have some fletchings, some pink fletchings and I'll have like a bright color knot. And I'll if I'm on, like, and I got good control, I'll specifically, you know, I see guys that are, like, drift to the right a little bit, and they'll shoot, like, right on the X. So I'll specifically aim to the right of the X and uh, try and play a little, little uh, mental warfare. So my big, bright fletching will be on the 3 o'clock on the X, and they'll shoot to the right of my arrow. And it's like, you know, it's, a, it's like a mental edge warfare. <laughs> Not only you know, uh, points wise, you know, but you, you do that a few times to make the guys you're shooting with. Sometimes they can mess with their head a little bit, and you can, you know, gain a few points on them. So one of the reasons I asked, you know, John what he was going to uh, shoot was um, because it looks like you just switched up your sight, and it looks like it's a multi-pin sh- sight shooting, yeah, unknown distance. And I feel it, John's got both, but I think he changes his arrows so much that he's always shooting, even on the the single pin, unknown distance, because he's like, I think I need to have this two yards different or this or that. So there's a lot of adjustment yeah. that goes into it. I'm not switching. I never switched my bow at all since this year. Right. But when we were indoors, it seemed like there was a lot of like well, yeah, this I, arrow, when, when these we arrows in, shoot this much. Right. When we were doing indoor stuff, like, last year yeah i was playing around i'd go back to my little bit fatter shaft instead of shooting my axis arrows my hunting arrows which are heavy and they're blowing through the bale into the back wall i'm like yeah. i'm gonna shoot a little bit lighter arrow just a not a fat one it was just the standard uh the maximum blues and so yeah. and then but then this year when you know when we went into our winter leagues we, i didn't have time to mess with my bow at all so i shot my hunting bow with my 80 pound limbs my five pin you know target sight my eastern axis arrows at 550 560 grains and i just blew through the target every week yeah. but i shot my best i ever have i had you know i yeah. broke my 400 i shot two 405s out of 420s which you know for me yeah, it was you, you know awesome especially doing it with my hunting bow so yeah, that's uh, I tell people all the time the best score I've ever had shooting 3D unknown was with a hunting bow. I shot a 315 or 314 or 315 um, with a hunting bow, and unknown 35 yards, and the bow was untuned. I was making adjustments to it like it was the worst possible setup slash tune job I could put on it, and I went on a whim one day and I shot by myself and. I cleaned that course, you know, and it was like I shot amazing with, you know, a 32 inch axle axle bow, hunting arrows, 260 feet per second, 265, and with a bow that was untuned. And I tell people all the time, like, you, you can't. I'm like, I believe the arrow hit in the X, and subconsciously got, you know, I made the adjustment, you know, and that was, I mean, hands down, one of the best shooting bows I ever had, uh, consistency wise. You know, up, up until this year, like the bill I got now, I'm pretty consistent with that. 
week to week, score wise. Um, so shoot what you're, you're comfortable with. If you're comfortable with, you know, for all your listeners out there, if you're comfortable with your hunting bow, compete with your hunting bow. You know, uh, I've been beat by a lot of guys with hunting rigs before. You know, and I've beat a lot of guys with hunting rigs before. So you don't need anything, you know, crazy. You just need to compete. Right, for sure. That's the other thing. A lot of guys, I mean, well, I just bought my first target bow. And that was only because I got a freaking screaming deal on it. But I do have my, my old my old hunting bow, my double XL, which I was going to turn into. Well, it was kind of my target bow setup. But then I ended up, I didn't shoot the like the, uh, the five spot round over the winter just because the time wise. I couldn't go to the club two nights a week every week so yeah. i picked this our you know small game league instead so then and then this deal came up and i end up getting the new uh white pro force so yeah and you know i got it set up and that was like the first shoot last weekend when uh adam and frank went to the to our club and shot the 3d range and it felt it felt pretty good i mean i shot pretty good i had a few shots that i you know pulled off plus i was messing with my i was changing the, the speed on my hinge release yeah I got rid of the clicker which the clicker for me was like sometimes it didn't bother me and then other times yeah. like i'd be sitting there and I'd, i don't know if i had thought it already had went off or what and then all of a sudden i hear the click and it's just about you know yeah. fling the shot off mm-hmm. over the hill but so yeah it's uh that clicker's not for everybody. You know, like I, it's a good training tool, I, I think. At least for me, I could train with it, but I couldn't compete with it. Yeah. You know, um, because it's like, oh, it's right there. I don't need to do anything. And it's like, but you still have to execute. You still got to pull through. It's like, no, nah, I'm at the clicker. It'll happen. And nothing happens. And you're like, what the fuck? It's not going off. And then you're like, oh, shit, I got to pull. And then by then, your shot's broken down. And, you know, and then you're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> off at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when it comes to, you know, shooting is find something that works for you. And, it, you know, if it doesn't work for you, make some changes. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable changing my boat from week to week, making little tweaks here, adding a twist, taking a twist out, because I'm, I know my boat um, from tweaking it and messing it with all these years. Where some guys they they are dead set against touching their bow, and sometimes that is a, a disaster because if their bow is off, you know, it's okay to make adjustments. You know, like don't fight the bow. You know, make the bow fit you. You don't fit the bow. And um, I, I put an archer challenge. I'm carrying the bow. My left hand got all tensed up, and I couldn't hold my sight bubble level. So I actually swung out my sidebar three ticks over just so my sight would level out and I started shooting a lot better. The bow looked so weird but just from carrying that bow for two days like I, I shouldn't I shouldn't have carried it with my left hand but you know you do and I, I got like my, my forearm all tensed up on me and I couldn't get the grip my bow to sit right so I was shooting my left and right was way off, you know, on the incline, decline. So I actually adjusted my sidebar and my buddy ripped like I don't know why you're doing that. And it was like, well, I'm not shooting well, so I'll make adjustments. And he would just force, he would muscle through 
throw it, but I know better. I'm not going to muscle throw it. You know, I'm going to make some changes. So I kicked it out, and started shooting like really well. I'm like, oh, I'm not fighting the, I'm not fighting the bow now. The bow's kind of sitting where it needs to be. And now, uh, it's actually still set up the same way. I pull back now. The eye bar's so far left, it lures its full scope to the left. <laughs> and I was like, oh. But for that moment, that instant, you know, it, it was working for me. Yeah, John was just shooting me like a death stare because I could, I don't ever adjust anything. It's got to be me. Can't be the can't be the bow. I'm like shit changes, dude. If something's <laughs> even if it is you, and just like what you were saying, something happens, and it's like, well, make an adjustment. You know, do yeah. something. I mean, that's why you have a, you know the clickers on your site and everything. Make a, do a couple of clicks, even yeah. even if it's mental. I mean, like. You do three clicks on our sites, and it's basically nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but mentally, it's like that's all you need, right? Yeah. It's like okay, and that fix it. And like, and when like I can like my class, I can eat. I can't touch anything once that sort of starts. Right. And I've had some days where like I'm shooting really well, day four, I get to the practice range, like it's like I'm off. And I kind of think, I'm like, well, I was cutting grass. We whacked him while I was shooting the other day, and I made an adjustment. It's like, ow, I'll be fine. You get to the course, and you're shooting left, and you're shooting left all day. And you got to try and, like, make, hold off target on, you know, for 30 targets. It's tough. It can make for a long day. And it's, you know, because I didn't want to say, hey, I want to make an adjustment on the, on, on the target range, you know, on the practice range. You know, my own. I'm fine. I was fine yesterday or day before. I'm good. Well, that can make for a long day of shooting when you're holding off where you want to go, you know? For sure. Well, I had it this year. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was when we were shooting during the league because um, we're pretty, you know, we're starting to make friends, same guys every year, you know? And they're like, you're changing your site right now? And I'm like, I'm shoot. everything's left, so... You know, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. And they're like, man, yeah. you're crazy. Um, <laughs> I remember Randy, I think it was Randy Almer. I remember reading that years ago. You know, if you're not shooting well, make a, make a change. It's not, the, it's not the end of the world. You know, if you make a change, a couple, you click, or you, back then it was like, there was no bike adjusting, you just loosen, tap over, and you know, it doesn't work. You can always put it back. You know, and you got to tune the bow for you that day. Or, and that's why, like, on a, on a five-day hunt, you know, like, I look back what I was shooting that total archer challenge and I was elk hunting, carrying my bows the same way. There's a good chance that I didn't really take a practice arrow with me or or, a, or anything to shoot at, a stump arrow. I could have did the same thing out in Montana. A, a bull could have came out or a cow, and from carrying the bow and being fatigued and mentally, you know, physically tired, I probably could have made a bit of shot on it. But now, I learned that from, from PAX where Next, I go out, out hunting, you know, uh, in 2020, I will have a, you know, probably two practice arrows. I'll keep them, like, in my backpack, you know, and put a big rubber tip on them or, or something and shoot 40 yards at a, you know, a stump or something to see if I'm still on. And if, I, if I'm not, you know, make an adjustment. Um, I, I see that with the hunting season a lot. Like, you beat your bow up. A lot of people don't shoot during the season as much. Well, you can bump the sight real fast. Your rest could bend, blades could bend, something. 
And if you're not practicing during the week, the shot of a lifetime might be the shot that you don't want. <laughs> you know? Your one opportunity you know, go south real fast. Yeah, I can, you know, I mean, you can, do you they? sharpen your stuff all you want, but things still change. You change, you know, weather, clothes, gloves. You change one thing, you know, you change the input on any aspect, you know, you change the output. Yeah, do they not have uh, spruce grouse out there in Montana? Because we definitely lose some arrows, and if you're shooting Eastern Axis, I can give you some grid coordinates where you can climb about yeah. 17 feet up in a tree and get one of John's arrows if if you run out. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, We've seen one grouse in five days, and I literally could have kicked it. Like It was like, it was like I don't know if it was attacking me or chasing me, like, we were running out of water, me and my buddy, like, we were getting kind of irritable because the water was drying up, and I had a splitting headache. He was getting a little hangry, and we're walking through this hole in the cow fence out there. It was fucking grouse, like, jumped up, and then I like, kind of came back, and I, I remember, like, kicking, like, get the fuck away from me. And I just wanted some water so bad. And this grouse, like, in my face, I'm tripping over, and I'm like, get the fuck away from me. And then, like, once you come to, like, it's amazing what, what you how you behave, you don't have food or water for, you know, a couple of hours. <laughs> and, uh, so the water thing I'm drinking, I'm like, I feel 10 times better. I'm like, oh, the fucking ground. I'm like, the whole time I could have picked up and probably wrung its neck, you know? And it, it was, it, like, it was like the, the worst possible time to see a grouse was right there. And it was like, oh, I see a grouse and it's like, tr- I'm tripping over it and I don't even do anything about it because I just want to water so bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we did with our uh, practice arrows. We knew we were a little off. I always bring, I always have a practice arrow with a judo point or a field tip just to, uh, I mean, from tree stand or whatever, get bored on my way out. I'm not going to sit that tree, you know. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I know I should have brought them, but, you know, you just, how do you make them? decisions sometimes you look back like what the fuck is wrong like why did I just do that you know <laughs> like oh, I'm an idiot like but you live and you learn right right hopefully anyway <laughs> oh man yeah like I'm really glad we were able to have this conversation because like for us our platform our our podcast everything's always about you know, it's it's the Bow Hunter Chronicles. It's not, you know, we we dip into archery, you know, about you know trying to get better and you know things that that have helped us. And we really haven't talked any target archery or, you know, we talk a lot of tuning and and things like that. But um, you know, from not just a a, a target guy, from someone who you know seeks out big bucks and has you know uh i guess built a reputation of doing it the hard way doing it the right way and then to do the same thing you know on the 3d course um you kind of have that same perspective of you know hunting first and the, the archery passion so i'm glad that we were able to have this conversation and to convey some of that stuff you know from a a bow hunter's perspective instead of just a, 
target archer, you know, where it's all about the gear and the, the, yeah, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, we've talked here for a little bit over an hour and I know we could talk forever if we wanted to talk yeah. equipment or tuning or, or whatever. But what I really wanted to talk about was the, like I said, the shot process and the, how to get out of your own head. And, and, and that's kind of what we did here. And I mean, yeah, John was kind of quiet. Yeah, I feel like he's in his own head with, with shooting. And for me, I'm just, I'm just starting to get, fucked on that whole deal <laughs> like i should have just stayed with my you know trigger release and well, like sh- shoot it 10 times a year and you should have bought enough. the, yeah. the yeah. silver back or a back tension to start with because <laughs> you, you were i already gave you my thumb release to use shot it into the drywall <laughs> yeah. I, so I i i do some coaching here at the house and uh I got, like I said, a little indoor range, and I'll tell people, because I got, like, my bag probably gets hanging in the corner, and it's like, please just don't shoot my wall. <laughs> the bag's already pretty big. We stand close. I'm still outside. I got, like, four arrow holes in my wall, the drywall. Like, and each year, I'm like, I'm going to put a horse stall mat up there, and I never do. <laughs> and then this year, somebody else shot the wall again. And like, <laughs> yeah. My own worst enemy. I can't take my own advice. <laughs> well, awesome. So, what do you guys? What do you have uh, coming up here, and where can people follow along with whatever you're doing? Well, uh, let's see. I, Instagram, YouTube. I, I put some. I did a couple. I did a hunting show parody on, on put on my YouTube thing. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Couple, you know, I got a couple new videos up there about you know, um, you know uh, a good clean breaking shot on distance. You know, shooting uh, the cougar at like sixty-five yards. You know, and it has a small little lane uh, lane to shoot in. And you know, me and my boat, me and my buddy Rick both, you know, absolutely crushed it at the to the larger challenge. Like, you know, two inches left, you're hitting tree. One inch low, you're hitting a, a, a rock slash tree, and you know. To the right, you know, you're hitting a big ass oak tree. So it's one of those stressful shots where I, I, I go, I pull the binoculars up, and I see all the damage to the tree. And right there, that almost gets my my elevation, like my heart rate up. Like, oh, this is serious. And I kind of set the game up a little bit on those shots. So one of those on uh, on YouTube, that's pretty pretty cool shot in pack. But uh. Get a couple things in the works that I'm gonna try and uh, get together with the the Urban Bowman and do some filming with him this month, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I mean, family life's really kind of dictating stuff right now, and work with the new building at work, so it's uh, slim pickings for for Greg at the present moment. Well, it's it's funny you say that. I was going to tell you after we got done with this, but since you brought it up with the Urban Bowman, John just did a top hat swap while we were up at the Total Archery Challenge. And while he was looking for videos on tuning a triax, your video and Taylor's video come up yeah. when you're trying to figure out how to do that. And I'm like, man, we had both yeah. those guys on the podcast, you know? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's funny. Funny. Yeah, it's because uh, I was actually in contact with him 
in the first half, and then he'll shoot Matthew there. And like, cause I could tear, I can get rid of tear by changing my grip, but the guy's fell. He, it wasn't, it wasn't working as well for him as it was for me. Like, if I got to go to wall two straight, you know, um, if you can kind of just change your grip sometimes, you can get a better tear than trying to like swap things around. You're better, like for me, I'm better off just modifying my grip a little bit. Um, but it wasn't working for him. So I tried some other methods and means and then he told me to swap them out. And if they don't work, call Matthews and get the other, uh, the correct shims or top hats. I'm like, oh man, this is like turning into like a job job, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, it's such a straightforward thing when I took it apart. I'm like, actually, yeah, I applaud Matthews. It was a, uh, a very easy, easy method to do, especially with like my press, my X press, like the bow stays nice and steady. And I look like, whoop, whoop. I'm like, oh, I can get used to that. That's pretty, a lot easier than shimmy cans, you know, cam yeah. spacers. For sure. That's, <laughs> that's one of the nice things about that top hat system. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause it would be nice if they sent you other top hats with the bow. That would just be my preference than having to buy them because you just spent how much money on a new belt. It can at least give you a few top hats. Yeah, should um, come with a kit. Yeah, or, or a, a different set or something. Right. But yeah, man, like I said, I, I really appreciate this, and I really appreciate you know you coming out and talking back with us again and um, you know yeah. looking forward to following along with your hunts this year because – I mean, for the public land guys, it's kind of a a, a hard area <laughs> where you hunt. Yeah. And you, you're you're I, one of the guys I've that's seen, you know, been doing it with the with the canoe for a long time. So <laughs> yeah, I got that that spot, like my one spot I love in the in the tide. They they haven't really done anything. There's a there's a farm field, you know, about 500 yards away from that one bed, four to five from around there, and it's been just a shit field basically for the last three years. This year, there's actually beans, and across the street from beans is another bean field. So there's a, a lot of beans, and there's not a lot of bedding, like good bedding. So I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so I need to get in there. I need to take my canoe in there and uh, get you know make sure everything's still good. And make sure my access that little. Uh, my little water pass to the base because that, that spot there, the high tide, I take it in with the high tide and I'm stuck there all day because the tidal flat. You literally, the canoe goes right to the base, you know, pretty much to the base of the tree. So I paddle in right through the tree, you know, and climb up and then I paddle out and the tide comes back in. So that spot hopefully should pay off. It's been a seven year journey <laughs> on that bed. <laughs> so I'm hoping this year will be the year, you know. Seven years. So, so what I'm hearing there is that maybe the most integral part of that would be the paddle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always bring the paddle with you. you know, it's, it does wonders for going places. <laughs> Especially, you don't want to you don't want to put your canoe in in fast moving tidal water without a paddle, because well, that's not any fun. <laughs> not that I would know, but people on the street know it's not any fun. <laughs> oh man 
Well, this has been fun, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, I think that's yeah, all we kind of got for this evening. So, yeah, I try to keep it short because there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very long, it can be a very long topic, and you can go, you know, a million different ways with target patterns or said target patterns. <laughs> Best thing to do is have a game plan and you know work through that game plan. You know, if something is not right, make some adjustments. And don't be afraid to seek out an actual, real live coach. Um, self coaching can only take you so far. But if you got a good, you know, find a good level three, level four archery coach and it's your local club and you're better off spending $200 with him than $200 on a release because that, that four hours with him is going to pay big dividends. In the long term, you know that's a new shiny release that you're going to get frustrated with and resell on archery talk. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to sell archery talk, someone's going to beat you up over twenty dollars on archery talk. I want one hundred eighty. I'll give you one sixty. Here's one eighty. One sixty. Come on, man. It's used. I'm like one eighty. I'll give you one sixty. And then you end up selling for one sixty because nobody else is bidding on it. You're like. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! That's awesome. So, all right, man, do appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Yep. Sure.